Welcome. You're listening to Crush the Cargo podcast, a podcast about lots of stuff and sometimes running. And today our guest is Sean Collins, a race organizer and ultra athlete and recent competitor and completer of The Revenant. So we'll have a talk about some of those things. Sorry, I have my um. I was busy just doing something else. <laughs> so, Surprised you, boo. Yeah, good day. How are you going? Yeah, all good. So, uh, yeah, how's lockdown life going for you? Uh, not too bad. Um, yeah, sort of ups and downs between and the family. I've got um three three girls, and um. And my wife. Yeah. And they're, they're doing a bit of homeschooling. Yeah. And they're old enough so that they can self manage that, which is good. Yeah. How old are you girls? Uh, uh, 17, 15, and 13. Okay. Oh, you're cool. Yeah. I should, I should so, probably warn you, I've already started recording. So. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So we may yeah. as well just. The older ones are a bit worried about what's happening with NCA and yeah. all that pressure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. sure they'll sort it out. They'll have all their exams done online, I suppose, now? They're planning to? Yeah, yeah, not sure. Because quite a bit of it's sort of internally assessed stuff that they do at school, but that has some controls in that around it. Yeah. It's all changed from when we were there. But it's just exams at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Can I ask how old you are? Uh, I'm 40, 46 yesterday. <laughs> oh, okay. That's right. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Cool. Okay. So, Sean, can you tell me about yourself? Because I haven't uh, met you before. Um, yeah. I. Where do we start? <laughs> um, I do running. Um, I uh, also organise events through Lactic Turkey Events, and we've been going for uh, more than 20 years. Um, and yeah, have a family um, with three girls and a wife, and we live in um, the edge of Auckland in the Waitakere Ranges. Um, so we're quite lucky for lockdown, and that we've got some trails right outside the back door, which is really awesome. Um, yeah. to have some sanity to get out yeah. there. Yeah, I noticed you did a big um, ultra a couple of weeks ago in your backyard. Yeah, yeah. We, um, at the start of lockdown, decided that we'd um, do something like that because um, our, our race that was the most affected by the, um, the lockdown was the Riverhead Relax. Mm. Um, and so the family's fully invested in that for, for most of the year preparing and recovering <laughs> um, and so it was quite a big thing to miss out so we wanted to do something and did it as a as a family and so started lockdown started building a track on the on our property in the bush and um, yeah, it's a little bit gnarly <laughs> um, and yeah so we made this prop this uh, track and ended up being um, 500 meters 
inside you. We did a, a backyard, the sorts. We didn't do the, the, the backyard format where you stop every, or you start every hour, we just keep going. Um, and the, my wife and the girls did it as a relay and I did it as a, as a solo. And we just keep going until we'd had enough. <laughs> How much did you do? Um, so the, the relay, the girls relay team, um, they did 80K. And um, I did 87 or something. Okay. And how long, yeah. how many hours was that? Uh, oh, I can never remember now. Uh, we started at 8 and finished at about 10. Okay. 8 yep. at 8 in the morning and finished at 10 p.m. Yep. yep. So I had a few lap, quite a few laps in the dark, which was quite cool. Yeah. Um, and the, yeah, it was fun. But yeah. in the end, um, I had enough and um, my knee was starting to get a bit sore because um, it was real uh, twisty turny and um, ups and downs and that like, it was pretty uh, relentless as far as either being ups or downs and all the twisting and turning I was just starting to get a sore knee like you do on um, on big descents and stuff and I was under strict orders not to push too hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it was just, just a fun thing. Yeah. So I, I did one um, three weeks ago in my backyard and uh, I made a 200 meter loop. Yeah. It's a, yeah. a very steep section. So I, d I, took, I took 16 hours to do 43 Ks. Jeepers. And did about um, 5,000 meters of climbing. Yeah. Yeah. I did a bit of gardening on the way. So it was quite <laughs> good. Yeah. So um, were you brought up in Auckland? And I, I was. I was born in Auckland, but then my folks were um, shearmokers for a bit. Um, yeah. They were dad was an architect and mum was a teacher. But they, when they had um, myself and my younger sister, decided they wanted to spend more time with us, so um, quit that stuff and became shearmokers for some reason. Right. So we moved around in the Waikato quite a bit when I was younger, and finished up out, uh, halfway between um, Hamilton and Raglan in the hills there. Um, and so I went to Waikato University and um, moved up to Auckland to get a, a job once I'd finished that and sort of was right in central Auckland. And then after our um, the, the usual Kiwi travels for um, a couple of years or three years, um, came back and wanted to move out of the city. So that's why we ended up out in the Waitax here. Yeah. It's a nice spot out there. Yeah. No, there's... We need uh, we need checks to open up again to enjoy it more, but right. So does the the Rahua is still on the trails out there? Yeah, so it's um, well, it's more than that now. It's a um, a biosecurity thing, so it's a controlled area um now, so that they can actually prosecute you um if they find that you've been in there and you haven't got you come out with dirty shoes. Right. Oh wow. Okay. Um, and but they're slowly the council's slowly doing up the tracks um, to mitigate the risk of spreading the cowdy diabetes. Um, mm -hmm. And so yeah, it's sort of very piecemeal. And this has put a there's a big bunch of tracks about to come online again um, uh, the fall winter, but uh, the lockdowns put a, a stop to that. Yeah. So it might be uh, after in early summer. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that would be interesting, because a number of your events were in those trails too, weren't they? Yeah, we had um, we had some road games out there. Um, 
for a number of years. And then when the Kauri dieback first kicked in, um, those stopped because um, because of the nature of road games with everyone going everywhere, sort of no control over making people do uh, the sanitary measures with foot washes and stuff. Yeah. And um, and so we stopped those and moved those elsewhere. And then our main event is the, was the Hillary um, Ultra, which is the 80k that went from one end of the Whitex to the other. And yeah, that was a it was a or ended up being an international event with 800 people um, and 150 Aussies in, in the last year that we did it before we had to cancel it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we sort of having to wait until the tracks are slowly done up before we can get back into that. Yeah. So is there a sign that you'll be able to start that one again? Yeah, yeah. As once the tracks come back online, um, then there's no reason why we wouldn't be able to have an event on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be and it'll be different because it won't have all the gnarliness that it used to have, um, yeah. but it'll still have the same climb and scenery and stuff. And the Aussies really loved it because it was, um, well, they couldn't get over how you could climb up out into the bush and then come back down to sea level and see the beach and run along the beach for a bit and then go back into the bush. And so it was sort of up and down, um, which is quite unique. They, they all mentioned that that was pretty uh, special. Yeah. And so it'll still have all that. It'll just be um, a little bit more groomed and faster. Right. faster right. running. Right. How, what's, the, what's the time for it, usually, 80 kilometres? Uh, so the winning time was uh, 8.20 was the last time that it got done for 80k. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so it's 80k with about 3,700 metres vert. Um, and yeah, it was pretty re and re relentless with its ups and downs, um, down to sea level and then back up again. Yeah. And there was quite a few gnarly uh, technical bits with lots of roots and stuff through the native bush, like single track. So yeah, it was it was quite a gnarly course. Yeah, it was a good test. <laughs> yeah, no, oh, cool. Sounds good. I haven't done any events in the North Island at all yet. None at all. No, no. Yep. So Is it um, passport control? Wellington? Oh, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when you're in Dunedin, it's like Christchurch is the far end of the country, really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you're pretty lucky down there with the, the events that you have there. There's no need to search for North Island events. Yeah, well, that's right. I mean, um, I love um, Highland events. events. So, um, yeah. yeah. This is stuff. But and I think um, from what I've seen, like, I've done... I did um, his road game, the Nationals road game last year. Yeah, and um, right. from what I've seen of his events, what people say, sort of a similar style um, of event companies between Lactic Turkey and, and Terry. Um, a bit more sort of low key than the, the commercialized sort of big bang type events. Yeah. So, um, you know, good, honest and professionally run events, but a bit more casual. Is our, it, our, our motto is uh, professionalism and jandals is our... Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, cool. One of our values for Lactic Turkey. Yeah, oh, no, that's awesome. So that's the way you like it. That's the way you want to keep yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, trying to keep how, it a bit low key. So that, that, that Hillary was a bit of a stretch because it was right. sort of pushing us um, out of that zone a little bit, but still, I think we managed to succeed in still maintaining that, that professionalism and jandals yeah. um, from the comments that we were getting from people. Yeah. So you've been yeah. doing this 20 years, uh, Lactic Turkey? 
Yeah, um, started, uh, it was probably a bit longer ago with Phil Wood. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if you know him. Um, and um, so it started off as just like one or two events. And then um, when I got back from my travels, I, I hooked up with him and um, sort of we took it from there. And yeah, now we do, well, he, he left a number of years ago and he moved down to Queenstown. And um, now we do more than 20 events a year, ranging from sort of ultras and trail runs through to um, road games, um, adventure race. We do a cool um, introductory adventure race. And then we do quite a few events for schools as well, whether it be orienteering or um, we do some events for the Auckland Council, um, sustainability challenges. Yeah. Um, which is like a tiny adventure race for school kids. But they do um, activities throughout to get bonus points, which have a sustainability thing. And the council gets their partners like the um, Worldwide um, uh, Foundation or um, Biosecurity or DOC or like the, the Dolphins people. And they come and run an activity for the kids. Um, and so it's sort of navigation, but also these cool activities. Mm. And we get um, up to 300, 400 kids to to those wow, that's racing pretty... around for a couple of hours. So is this like your full-time job? No, it's just, a, it's a wee hobby, like like a lot of us. Um, yep. I, have a, I have a job that pays the, the bills and keeps the family fed um, as well. So I'm a, um, a beanie by trade. It's just started off at Deloitte doing auditing in <laughs> uh, that um, at Fonterra for a number of years as a, um, a finance manager of that division mm -hmm. and then um, yeah, a couple of other roles and then when I had enough of the corporate world um, got out of that and now I work for a, a mate of mine who's an um, uh, inventor, sort of an industrial designer mm -hmm. and so I do all of his finance and help him on his legal and um, we have a big patent portfolio that I help manage um, so that's sort of four days a week, and that gives me a day to, to do lactic turkey um, stuff and weekend. Right. And evenings. <laughs> I can imagine the uh, bean counting skills would be pretty useful for the event management, though. Yes, yeah. Both the, well, not so much counting the beans because there's not a heap of beans, um, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the organisation and structure of it is, um, yeah. Yeah. Especially with a few events happening um, that sort of running not one after the other, but more concurrently, it, it gets tricky. Yeah. So, what was your motivation in starting it in the first place? Uh, I think um, I used to do orienteering um, as a kid and then up into um, sort of early teens and was in the New Zealand squad and we'd organise um, as a fundraiser once a year a, a big um, fun run and mountain bike up in Woodhill um, which is just north of Auckland and that would get like up to a thousand people um, and sort of they went back then this is ages ago now um, more than 20 years um, or more than 25 years ago. Um, so there weren't too many runs and so it was quite cool, it was off-road. And so the whole orienteering squad would organise that. And so we all sort of grew up having to help out at this event. And um, as we got older, someone would have to lead that sort of process. 
and I did it for um, one or two years and sort of yeah, really enjoyed it. And so after coming back from travels and that, um, and hooked up with my mate Phil, who was organising events, and, and sort of went from there. It's just really cool um, to put something on that a whole bunch of people come to and get something out of. Yeah. And the I, the biggest buzz I get is seeing someone on the start line that you think, jeepers, this is going to hurt. And then you see them at the finish line and, you know, they've got this massive, like, that, that they're obviously hurting, but they've got this massive grin and, and then you see them come back and back and, and move up through the different distances, events, you know, having done something that's been a massive challenge to them and then they love it so much and keep coming back and slowly growing with it. Yeah. And you've helped provide that, that opportunity, that safe safe space, I guess, that, and that structure so that they can do that. But, yeah, it's real cool. That's awesome. Yeah. So were you doing, you, do, you just started with orienteering events? Would you do running events back then too? Uh, no, it was mainly um, sort of off-road runs, like forest runs and yeah. mountain bikes. Yep. Um, we left the orienteering to the to the clubs. Oh, and okay. then um, from there, the road games, um, the road games were sort of next, because um, that made use of our, our nerve skills. Um, yep. And there weren't really many road games, so we'd, We've been doing road games um, since like, 2002 um, in Auckland, and we used to have some massive ones in PR. We would get 500 people um, running around in the Whitex, <laughs> getting lost. Uh, everything seems to be in a bigger scale in Auckland. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If we get 50 to one, we're happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And in road games, there's so much work put into them to to organise them, um, yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be hard work for 50 people to come along. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gary. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm amazed with what um, Gary Davis does uh, for, you know, well, for his radio, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's two or 300 people, actually, to be honest. Um, but that will be a number of different events, a number of different yeah. times, yeah. Yeah. No, he does a great job down there. It was really cool coming down to, to do the road game down there. Um, so I've been down and raced, um, like running races down there, but um, to do the the road game was real cool just to get across the terrain and and um, and be able to have a spot of land that's so big that you can do a 24-hour, um, yeah. which is something that we battle with up here. Right. <laughs> um, we've been asked to do the 24-hour road game champs. Um, a couple of times, but there's just nowhere up here that has that that amount of land without having to talk to 50 million landowners. Right, right, yeah, gotcha. So it's yeah. real cool. Yeah. So you're obviously doing um, a lot of events and things yourself when you started the where well, you're doing your orienteering. Were you doing running and, and stuff as endurance running at a younger age as well? Uh, yeah, I did the school stuff, so cross country and athletics, and um, I was always sort of the second or third place, <laughs> so never really good. But um, up there, um, giving it my my hardest try, um, and so more long distance stuff, so eight hundred and fifteen and steeple, yeah, and cross country, and then but um, once I got into the orienteering, that's when I sort of got a bit more serious, and I had a coach. Um, I was a slightly older orienteer in the club that helped me out with the training program and stuff. Mm -hmm. And sort of where I lived out in the hill country, um, out at Raglan there, 
um, I could walk out the door and be out into some awesome bush trails or um, like um, mountains and things or North Island mountains. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's sort of where I got all my hill, my beastie hill work done and stuff and built up sort of a, a big base that sort of has held me strong for all of my running to date. <laughs> So is that where you got your name, Running Beast? Uh, yeah, it was Hill Beast um, during my <laughs> during my orienteering days, um, just from because of where I lived and the training and stuff. And that's yeah. sort of progressed from there. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so you're unleashing the beast. Yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. And um, what do you like about it? About running? Yeah. Um. Uh, I guess it offers so much, um, depending on what sort of running you're doing. That I like exploring, um, so um, doing missions and getting to new areas. Um, uh, like when I was travelling, the way to explore a city was always in the training runs and things. Yeah. Um, to to get out there, and you can you can see a lot more when you're running rather than driving around, um, and even. You know, when you um, when I moved up to Auckland and and the number of years early on when I was in Central Auckland, it would be I'd be constantly exploring little parks and things, trying to find new routes or ways to get through things. Mm. And I guess it's that is that exploring nature of you've got freedom to go wherever you want um, and see things that you wouldn't normally. And lots of people don't see, even though they're they're living in a place for so long or they're driving along the road. So many times they don't realise that off that road there's so many little offshoots of tracks that take up into parks and things. Yeah, yeah. And so there's that exploring nature, and then the I guess the um, yeah, just the freedom of it can clear the head, or you can um, you can work hard and do a full-on session, come out feeling really cool afterwards. Yeah. Do you, do you ever find any conflict between being an event organiser and an event participant? Uh, no, I don't. I don't do a heap of events. Um, yeah. well, the conflict is the time, I guess. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't get to do a heap of events because the at the time of like preparing for our events and. Um, balancing um, doing our events with family and, and then taking off to do other events. It's only in the last couple of years really that I've started doing a few more organised events. Oh, yeah. um, prior to that, I'd get out in the weekends for long runs and that, but um, didn't have the, I guess, the time or resource to, to fly away to the South Island or um, drive for a couple of hours to get to an event somewhere else. Yeah, it's a bit of a luxury. Yeah. So it's been cool getting back into events and having that. Um, I guess the people contact um, that an event has, and um, meeting all these people that that know me for our events. Yeah. <laughs> they come up and go, oh, Sean, I did this event and this event, and I've got no idea. Like, I kind of recognise them maybe. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the name or anything because when we're at our events, it's like Rah! trying to get stuff done and, and you know, you're full on distracted for that process so you don't get to have a chat to them. Yeah. Whereas, in, uh, yeah, it's good getting to meet them outside of that environment 
and you actually get a chance to get to know them and chat to them. So it's cool. Yeah. Because I mean, 20 odd years, you must be one of the older um, race organizers in the country. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think um, I think there's a couple of no. I'm not sure how long total sport must be reasonably somewhere. We were a little bit before them, yeah. um, so they might be 20 years and we might be a bit more. Um, yeah. I know, yeah, our road games have been going since 2002, I think it was, but we've been going a few years before that, so. It might be longer than 20 years. But yeah, um, Total Sport was there. I think Dave just did a 20th anniversary. It might be this year, actually. Yeah. Um, and um, apart from that, it'll be sort of the, the standalone events um, around the country, like down your way, that have been going longer than that, but they've just got the one event that they do a year. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was supposed to be organising a Three Peaks mountain race in Dunedin this year. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, um, so we had to pull that off, of course. Um, hopefully we'll still run it in October, actually, but it'll be a slightly different version. Yeah. But that's, that's been going 37, I think this would have been the 36th or 37th year. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, there's many events older than that, but it's, it's, it's gone through a few different um, forms. Yeah. yeah. And through different um, organisations as well. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it started it started as a as a like point to point race, like a fell run. Um so you just had to get to the top of the three mountains and then back down again. Um and uh and then uh Leith Harriers took it over after about um ten years or so. And Leaf Harriers have been running it since, but different people within Leaf Harriers have been taking responsibility for it. Yeah. Yeah, there's some awesome history in some of those events. Um, you know, the Tararua Mountain Race I did when I was a young fella. Yeah. Um, and the Kawika Challenge was another um, early um, trail slash ultra run that was before ultra running and trail running was called. Yeah. Um, and we used to make the trek down to Hawke's Bay every year to do that. That one was a beauty. Yeah. And that's the same, it kind of came and came and went and then uh, eventually went <laughs> and no one else could take it over. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of sad, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, the, you know, there's probably lots of events that have, have gone that way. Yeah. Um, and and it's easy to see how it happens um, with clubs that sort of burn out. Um, we contract manage some half marathons and things like road events. Mm -hmm. um, up here, and they're slowly phasing out as the, you know, the clubs come to, to Electric Turkey to contract manage it as a sort of a last thing because there's no internal manpower. Yeah. Um, and then in the end, that's the, you know, things like traffic management and things that slowly get bigger and bigger, and the funding gets less and less that they can get from councils and, and funding bodies, and eventually the, yeah. <laughs> So how, how how have you prevented the uh, burnout? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very uh, razor edge. I think it's because um, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. There's been many times where it's like enough. <laughs> Let's yeah. finish it up. Um, yeah. 
and and the pressures that it puts on the family life and um you know you're spending all this time on something that that doesn't give you well it doesn't pay its way really it's like a, you're doing it for the love a lot of the time yeah um and then you keep coming back to well we're putting on this cool thing for people <laughs> right. and it's hard to let it go yeah um, there's one you know it's starting to get to the point where um you do have to make those hard calls and one of the events that we did we do down in Rotorua, the double rainbow um it's never made money in the five years that we put it on it's been such a fun event um it runs up and down rainbow uh, a spot called rainbow mountain and you can run you can have a um four different distances and so you can run up this peak um one to four times <laughs> um yeah. uh but it's yeah it's never made any money but we love you know it's a weekend away for us down the road or and putting on this event so we kind of sell enough <laughs> we can't pay for you know we paint people we have a fun event yeah. and a little bit of joy that we get out of it but you can't keep doing that forever yeah so i mean because you seem quite resilient and is it just the the sense of the fun of seeing others and have a good time and and achieve their goals and push themselves that... yeah yeah i think it has to be <laughs> yeah yeah you kind of never look back on it but um that's why we keep putting events on and um i guess as a beaming you'd think that i'd make the call after the second year that it's <laughs> it hasn't made yeah. money <laughs> yeah yeah but it, yeah there's that drive that um so many people love the event and it's a challenge and we'll say we'll, we'll try one more year and we'll try this different and this different yeah and um and hopefully come out of it the other side <laughs> yeah yeah have you seen um you know that things change much over the 20 odd years that you've been putting on events uh yeah i mean obviously there's a the biggest change is there's so many events now yeah um and so that means it's really hard to find a date that doesn't clash um i keep a a big spreadsheet of um, all the events that are relevant to us that for when we're choosing our dates mm -hmm. and i'm um, trying to avoid others um events um but it's getting harder and harder to do that and and some other event people don't seem to to care about that at all they're just clashed yeah. <laughs> um and so that's hard um and so people the events have to be more of an experience i think um and to some degree you have to accept that uh because there's so many events people are coming to your event to, to try it or to go to a new area and so you're showing them, giving them this treat of a new area or some new private land or, or a new experience. And then knowing that most of them are going to not come back because they'll, the next week, the next year of that same weekend, they'll go somewhere else and do something else. Because that's why we do trail running is to, to try new things. Yeah. Um, and so I guess it's just accepting that and, and therefore um, trying to spread the word um of what the experience is so that you can get the new people coming in all the time yeah and so in the in the stats and that that we collect but like if they've done the event before um mm. quite often now it's sort of 70 percent of people are new each year um so it's only 30 percent that are redoing it um and then the rest are new and then they're going to take off somewhere else so mm. yeah it's it's quite a busy, really busy space 
Um, and it's going to be crazy in the second half of this year um, if we get a chance to, to do stuff in the second half of this year. Because um, all of these events over the last three months are going to have to squeeze up into if they if people if event directors are postponing rather than cancelling. Yeah. And that's all going to be condensed into six months. It's going to be yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Which is good for the competitors, good for the competitors, but not so great for the event directors. No, no, and and people will want to do something, and it's it's like we need to kickstart things. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, hopefully um, we try to keep our entities really low um, with that sort of ethos of, um, of having them uh, really accessible for people. Mm -hmm. um, and so hopefully that will help because, uh, you know, people aren't going to have 800 or 500 bucks to spend on a run. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people won't after what's happening mm -hmm. and what's the effect that it's going to have for quite a while um so hopefully people are going to be looking for the um you know the not traveling events and traveling to events and so they just want to do something for a day and maybe put out a little bit of money um but not you know really make that big commitment until um, we see some recovery yeah yeah we do a um a series and a trail running series in auckland area um in the last uh, quarter of the year called the wild auckland and we work with the Auckland Council um, and so the Wild Auckland's all around showing people new parks that they won't have been to um, in the Auckland region. And some of these places aren't new parks, they're just a little bit further out of the way than, than usual. Um, and so we set this up uh, because of the Kauri dieback closing um, so many trails in the Waitex and the, and the Hanuas. Yeah. And so we try and move it around the Auckland area each year. Um, and then one or two venues will be brand new um, that haven't had events on them before, but we've got good relationships with the rangers and, and work together with them and put on some really cool, um, quite wild courses. Um, but yeah, we keep those entry fees really low and give a, a big discount for running the series so that we can um, make it really easy for people to, to do it. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, so that, that will still be going ahead and hopefully that'll be the thing that, that saves Lactic Turkey because it's based at the end of the year. Right. Um, and um, yeah, we'll be, we're working with the rangers at the moment to get into some of those parks when we can. Yeah. So you had to cancel the relapse. That was a big one, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Was there any other big events that you had to cancel as well? Uh, yeah, so... Um, we were, while it was all happening, we were in the middle of doing the, um, the Auckland Schools um, Sprint Orienteering Series, yeah. um, which we just picked up this year. There's a new um, sort of contract that we picked up from the Orienteering Club. And so it's um, three nights a week for six weeks and two to 400 kids each night. Um, so it's in different zones around Auckland. Uh, west zone, the, the north zone and the um, central zone and we were most of the way through that we had um, one week to go and then the finals a couple of weeks later and so my wife had been um, doing that pretty much full time um, and um, on the Monday we did the Monday event and then the Tuesday event got cancelled because the school that that we were using as a venue said they weren't comfortable 
um, and then the Wednesday event got canned on the Tuesday, and then the, the next week got canned, and then the, the finals got canned, and that was, uh, um, you know, all the work had been done for it. Um, we'd been out and mapped all the areas and sector courses and printed maps, so all the costs had been done. Um, but it got kind of, yeah, it got pulled pretty quickly um, as different venues decided that they didn't want to have the risk. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a real big hit because um, I said my wife's been doing that full time, so that was yeah, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah. To lose that, and it's yeah, we might get to do the finals in term three, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. It's pretty gutting. Um, yeah, yeah, it was, and I think because um, she had such a focus on it, it was yeah, it was a real kick in the and the nuts for it. Well, not in the nuts. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the relapse is a big one. And because we put, I'd put, I'd put quite a bit of work into trying to get Les Lake over. Right. Um, yeah. So there was that element to it as well. And yeah. toying and throwing is the, the first the fee was going to come. And then because of the, the outbreak, um, Cancelling all everything around that, and then the actual event. Yeah. And then um, I guess oh, we had a half marathon, a road half marathon that has to be postponed, and then our road games sort of kick off in June. And I've got a couple of school mud runs that we do as helping the schools fundraise, um, which are in May and June. So yeah, it's, it's all some of those are all up in the air at the moment. I guess until we know what's happening. Mm, yeah. Yeah, well, I hope you can get back into some of those soon. Okay. Yeah, and hopefully, our, like our road games, um, should be able to come online um, earlier than something like a road half, yeah. um, just because the, the distancing's yeah. a lot easier to to implement. Yeah, yeah, and lower numbers of people. Yeah, but like a, these uh, mud runs that we do for the schools, um, that's probably one of the would have to be down in alert level one probably, um, or off alert levels because of the, you know, you've got people rolling around in mud and using the, the same equipment and yeah. doing lots of laps around the school and through big uh, puddles of mud and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so um, we need to talk about the Revenant. Mm. Yeah. How you doing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ask him for a friend. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this fella. <laughs> yeah, so how was it for you? Uh, it was real cool this year. It was, it was actually amazing. It was probably one of the um, one of the best uh, runs or events that I've done and that everything sort of just went perfectly. <laughs> yeah. which, which for an event like that, over such a long distance and... Um, and uh, I guess the toughness of it is pretty amazing that nothing went bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'd like to say that it's all due to preparation and <laughs> and everything, but I don't think it was. Really? Because, yeah, I would have thought that I was more prepared last time. Um, yeah. And for other events, um, but yeah, it all just seemed to go really well. But, you know, nutrition and... Um, hydration and just the heat space that was all all perfect <laughs> yeah just crazy 
I'd put heaps, of, especially the headspace thing, because that's what um, botched me up um, the year before, um, or kind of what finally um, finished that was just my head was fried. Um, and um, and from the head being so drained, um, obviously the body is pretty quickly after that. Um, and so, yeah, that was something that I'd really focused on since then, leading up to this revenant was um, just coming up with a toolbox of things that I could um, use to, to keep the head from being so fried. Cool, tell me um, more. And I guess, yeah, the, the reason that you're doing something like the revenant or the, the last person standing is to, to push through the barriers, I guess, that you think that you have. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, coming up with tools or um, things that you can do to try and push through when the brain's saying to stop to keep going. So, what, what are some of these tools? Uh, so, I've done quite a bit on um, thinking about, and and there, it is literally, well, I've worked out <laughs> um, that it is literally a toolbox that you can pull out different things depending on how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a range of things. Um, I've done um, a bit of meditation in the, the lead up to, to it for maybe um, oh, a month beforehand um, leading up to the race um, to, have, to practice. And I've done it before off and on. Um, but just to practice focusing or refocusing mm -hmm. um, when you realize that your head's going in all different places. Um, especially in something like the Revenant where you do have to focus um, not just on moving forward but navigating as well. Um, so it's like, um, I guess the meditation is helping to, you know, take some, some deep breaths and um, calm yourself down and focus on the task at hand um, in a more delicate manner, I guess. Um, and knowing that there are times after you've done that focusing on the map to know where you're going that you can switch off so that you're resting your head um, rather than, and I guess that was what I found the year before is that I think my brain was fired because you like concentrating so much on the map and, and not being able to find things, you get more and more sort of um, uh, more pent up and get more and more worried about it and stressed and that's not really helping. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, that's quite the opposite. So it's having that um, knowing when to focus on something and then when to release it so that you're, you're resting your brain. And then um, mantras to, to keep pushing more on the physical side um, and you know, good self-talk and a bit of visualization beforehand and and all of that stuff. And so I've been practicing and reading lots and um, listening to lots of podcasts and all of these things. Um, but in the end, didn't need to draw on any of that in the end. The tool tool bag on the on the kit bag stayed shut, and um, which is yeah, I was stuck about. Um, and so I need to find something else so that I can open it up and try and use those to some effect at some stage and maybe maybe I was using them you know to, to various degrees and that's why it was a good run but I didn't feel like I got to the stage of um, needing to um, you know push myself 
um, mentally to keep moving because I was feeling good the whole way and wasn't having cramps or any uh, down, you know, low pitches or anything. Mm. The worst thing I had was lots of the hallucinations. Um, yes. More than <laughs> I've had before. <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Was, like, these were lasted uh, one and a half days, really. It was like full time hallucinations. Um, yeah. That didn't really come right. And the learning, I think I needed to do a little bit more sleep than I did. Um, How much did you do altogether? Because I've only got to the end of uh, loop three in your race report so far. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I did two, two naps. And I think they, it's hard to tell because we didn't have a watch. But I think they were like five to ten minute naps. Right. Um, and the first one was a, you know, it was a bit of a push. Like I was actually forcing myself to do it because I'd started hallucinating. was feeling a little bit tired. Um, yeah. But wasn't really ready for it. Um, yeah. But the second one I was out and um, that one I had the, the recharge that I'm used to having from a, a short nap like that. Yeah. Um, usually I'm pretty good um, at, at those sleeps. When I did the triple Hillary, um, uh, which was uh, 49 hours, um, I had two five-minute naps there and they were definitely five minutes because my support runners woke me up. and. Uh, the first time I had it at 26 hours and I was walking dead. <laughs> um, so I was sleeping and, and walking off the track um, as I was walking. And after that five-minute nap, um, I, the support runners were reasonably new to running um, at night and, and seen somebody keep going for so long. And they're really hesitant about waking me up after five minutes. Like I said, no, definitely, like, are you sure? Yeah. Like, Five yeah. minutes isn't very long. And so um, it did wake me up after five minutes. But as soon as I woke up, I was just like totally recharged. And I was charging up down this really gnarly downhill. And they couldn't keep up. Yeah. <laughs> it was like <laughs> such a, you know, five minutes before that, I was walking dead and, and walking off the track. And then it was yeah. like, and that lasted for another 10, 12 hours. Wow. So five minutes is enough? Yeah. Would um, 10 minutes give you anything extra? Uh, yeah, probably. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Like I said, in, it may have been 5 or 15 minutes um, in these ones during the Revenant because we don't have a watch and, and didn't know. I know they weren't long ones because um, because of the timing of the laps and everything um, yeah. when you look at it afterwards. Uh, but I think the... The I think the heating that had such an impact on why I was hallucinating so much at the at the Revenant this year. Um, yeah. yeah. What was a caravan being towed up by a couple of cows. <laughs> yeah, down this gnarly riverbed. Yeah. Um, and like it's oral as well as visual. Like you could hear these guys like driving these uh, these cows to pull this caravan down the down the riverbed. <laughs> You gotta think, where where could that come from? I mean, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, and then like, yeah, because a lot of the other ones are more things that I could see on like in the distance, like big rocks or fence posts, where it's like people or yeah. or vehicles, and so you can kind of say, well, oh yeah, that that kind of makes sense. But seeing yeah. something like that is just totally left field. You're like, how does the brain think that? <laughs> and how long did it last for that one? Oh, oh that one was only like. 
briefly because I could see it in the distance and then when I got around the corner it wasn't there anymore. Yeah. Um but the um like some of them were, you know, they lasted for ages. That's so why I said like these this is the longest duration that I've had um hallucinations where it's just like every time you look up you can see like all these painted rocks and things. Like yeah. paint like artworks on the rocks and um the the mo the longest duration one was um the artwork or the um intricate webs that the spiders or, or bugs had made on using dry grass and the, the ruts of the four wheel drive track. Yeah. And this this climb that we do is like forty minutes of climbing up this four wheel drive track and it started off that the um the spider webs or the spiders had made these like nice geometric shapes out of these dried grass blades yeah. and by the top of the hill um, they were full on like scenes with um with english text <laughs> all laid out with this dry grass they didn't they didn't have your mantras written across them did they? <laughs> no they would be pretty scary <laughs> they're cheering me on go the boat <laughs> you might count that as assistance yeah <laughs> yeah support yeah so um You've obviously had hallucinations in the past, then. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Mainly on the longer stuff. Yeah. Um. And usually that sort of stuff where it's a, a branch or a rock or a fence post or something that when you find it like in the distance it looks like something else. Like a. Um. I've had some beautiful like roadside stands of um, flowery pots and things. Yeah. Um. And then you get there and it's just like a fern, or um. A, a man and his son fishing off a bridge, and it's just a um, just a tree branch or something. So it's usually that sort of thing. And um, the best one that I've ever heard um, was um, running the Hillary Trail at night. There was a big bunch of us, and when we finished, one of the guys said that in the middle of the thick native bush, he he um, saw a big open grassy paddock with bulls in it mm. that were running towards him. Ooh. <laughs> and um so yeah it turned from full-on bush to being a nice open paddock full of bulls yeah yeah the hallucinations are quite interesting some of the ones you hear of yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing crushed a cargle a couple of years ago one guy saw saw a seal a <laughs> yeah and uh and also believed he saw andrew glennie wearing a mankini but yeah oh surely not <laughs> total fiction yeah but um yeah if you're used to them, do you still get scared with them? Uh, no, I don't know. No. Um, I'm kind of used to them now, and yeah. and you sort of know to expect them at some stage. Yeah. Um, as you start to get tired. Yeah. I suppose if you don't see a pile of bulls coming running towards you, there's not too much. Scary. Yeah, they're not. They're not scary. I haven't had scary, nightmarey ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd imagine that would be pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know how to navigate, obviously, with your orienteering and regaining yeah, yeah. practice. So what sort of physical preparation did you have to do for the revenant? Um, so the, I was doing lots of stairs and hills, hill work mm -hmm. um, to basically just get strong. Um, yeah. The terrain at revenant's really... There's lots of vert, and the vert isn't like running up a nice track most of the time. It's going up through tussock and stuff. Yeah. Um, 
And so uh, or for North Island, that's totally foreign. Um, uh, running through cross country through that rough stuff. So you're having to use your whole body at some stages to, to pull yourself up through it. Mm. And and then some of the some of the hills are just there's not much um, steeper that you can physically run up. <laughs> yeah. Um, for some of the checkpoints and, and the course setters were really nice and they'd have a, a checkpoint um, at the top and then you go down and then you have to come straight back up again. Yeah. Um, just, to, just to muck with your mind. Yeah. Um, and so just having the strength to keep pushing and you're not running those hills, obviously, um, but just being able to power up them and keep a, a good pace. Yeah. Um, so lots of the physical stuff is just getting that strength. And that's... Um, I thought I'd suffer this year because I hadn't had an ideal prep because um, I had six months off last year with a, a bung Achilles that I tore at the, the Riverhead Relapse last year in uh, May. And so I wasn't, I didn't start training again until October because um, I, was, I was a sensible man and listened to the physio to get this Achilles right. And so did nothing and then slowly brought up with a, you know, a five minute walk and two-minute jog, five-minute walk, and it was very tedious. Yeah. So, yeah, I didn't have nearly the prep that I'd had the year before physically. But one thing that I think helped was um, the family tramping that we did over the Christmas holidays. Um, we did um, a mission up into the Kawekas, and then we did around uh, Mount Taranaki. Oh, yeah. And so we did a summer of Taranaki and then around it. And um, I had a massive pack that, I think on the last day got down to 20 kgs because um, <laughs> the girls can't carry all the food and stuff. Um, and just doing that, it was quite a technical trail. So um, with a big weight on the back and just power walking or walking and having to climb up and down, um, quite technical stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that really helped for the, for the revenue. And that was sort of three weeks before um, race day. But it was five, six days of, of doing that time on the feet with a heavy pack on. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was just as beneficial as the year before doing heaps of hill work and stuff. Right. Yeah. Because there's not many there's not many spots in the Revenant that you can open up. So you don't really need the speed. Um, there's a few sections where you're going along the ridge lines or whatever. Um, but it's just been able to stay on your feet for that duration and keep moving. Mm. So, what's the toughest event you've ever done? Was it Revenant up there? Um, yes, I think the yeah the I wouldn't have said that this year's was tough because um, it all seemed to go so well and I didn't suffer. <laughs> yeah, and so it didn't seem as tough as it actually is. Um, the, the year before it was tough and I was really sore afterwards um, and it took quite a while to get over it um, mentally and physically um, and maybe that was just because it was the first year of doing it and uh, the weather was worse um, and like I said there was just the mental exhaustion of it yeah. um, and I think this year I was a lot more relaxed about it because it wasn't the first time of doing it um, so that helped with the, the head. Um, 
the, I mean, the backyard thing that we did <laughs> in our backyard a couple of weeks ago is on the body. It was probably one of the tougher things I've done. Yeah. Uh, just because it was constant twisting and turning and up and down. Yeah. Um, you didn't have those times to zone out um, or have an easy section for the body. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was pretty... I was quite surprised, actually. It was the hardest um, 80K I've done, for, I've done, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So I've got a few, I've got a few other questions, random questions to finish with. Yeah. One is, um, how do you grow such good facial hair? <laughs> oh, it just grows itself. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> need to do anything with it. I actually trimmed it the other day. I had to take about five centimetres off it. I was getting a bit scraggly. Oh, okay. How often do you trim it? Uh, probably once a year. Right. Yeah, that's that sounds like a good average. Yeah, yeah. You weren't, you, well, you weren't too worried about the um, hairdressers being in lockdown? No, it wasn't lockdown affected by that. <laughs> good. Um, what's your favourite movie? Oh, I hate these types of questions because I, not because I don't like favourites, but because I, um... Are you going to hate the next one then? I can't think of them. You're going to ask for a favourite song and that's even worse. Because um, I like to, like my trail running, I like to explore. Ah, uh, yeah, of course, yes. Um, uh, I mean, we watched, uh, um, as a family, we watched... Um, uh, the Aussie guy with his uh, running his um, 26 miles and 26 hours and also his rail line run. Have you seen those? Bo, I can't remember his name. No. Um, but they're just like short 15-minute um, clips. Um, but it's just of a dude doing a wacky, a wacky run. Um, but you kind of get to know them and, and, um, and they're quite... Uh, funny as well. Yeah. So yeah, no, I don't really. I get to watch a whole lot of shit movies because of I'm on one boy in a household with um, four women, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't get to choose that often. Right. Yeah. Okay. And what was the last series you binge watched? Um. Oh, um. Blacklist. I'm still going on. Um, or waiting for the new ones to come out, and um, Narcos and and those ones I quite like too. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like the total opposite from anything that we can just veg out and and watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Money Heist at the moment I've started. Oh, okay, I haven't started that. Netflix, heard, that's quite a good one. You've heard a few good things about that. Yeah. And uh, who's your hero? Oh. <laughs> It's another shit question. Yeah, no, well, a great question, but a shit one to answer. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't really have a hero as such. Um, no. <laughs> I um, no. I can't think of a hero. Not good. Yeah. No problem. I, I don't, um, uh, I don't know how to say it without sounding like a dick. Um, I, don't, 
I don't strive to be anybody or um, hold anybody up to be uh, um, a hero or someone that I want to emulate. Um, um, and there's people out there that I don't admire what they did and, and, um, and that, but I wouldn't say that they were heroes. No, that doesn't sound like a dick at all. So you did well. <laughs> Sounds like you just want to be yourself, which is fair enough. Yeah, it is. And that's sort of um, similar. Um, I was planning a, a couple of days ago, I was plotting out a, my next big massive mission um, that I want to do. Um, I was meant to go to India to do a 555k ultra in August yep. um, this year, the ultra, um, but that's not going to happen. So I was um, planning out my next personal mission to do locally. Um, and last year I did all the volcanoes in Auckland and that was an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. um, it was so fun. Um, so I'm planning something um, up here and um, uh, talking to a, a guy that might do some filming of it. Um, and he said, well, what charity are you doing it for? And it's the same similar thing to the heroes thing where um, because I organise events and and uh, do events for charity and, and that sort of thing. When I do a, a mission or a run, I don't want to have the pressure of a charity or holding something up that I just want to go and do it and and it's my thing and not have that pressure. Yep. So it's a similar thing to the hero. Yeah, no, I get that. Yeah. yeah. yeah Hard cool. to explain. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you, you want to share anything about this big mission? Or you still... uh, no. No, I'll, just, I'll do it and uh, share afterwards. <laughs> yeah, good idea. And uh, when is um, your final instalment? Will it be your final instalment of your race, Revenant? Oh race? yeah, I keep I keep putting it off. It keeps reminding me on my phone to to do. <laughs> and there's probably a couple. There's uh, there's one more instalment to do the last lap, and then there's probably um, a, a summary one afterwards to thank some people and like the key outcomes and Excellent. um from the from the revenant. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's a mission, is it? It's like six months after the event and I'm still doing the race report. Um, but hopefully people in, enjoy the wee uh, spiels every now and then. <laughs> oh, I've enjoyed them. I've um, found them quite entertaining, actually. Yeah. 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 I do get quite a bit of feedback saying that people have liked it, so yeah. it keeps me doing that. Yeah. Oh, good. Excellent. Okay. Well, thanks very much for um, coming, uh, yeah, for chatting. Um, yeah, it's good to... Talk to you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good to talk to you. I do follow and uh, and watch and listen <laughs> to your mad uh, mad stuff. Yeah, so it's very cool to. Yeah, yeah. We can um, get you down to crush the cable sometime. You could, yes, uh, I would like to do that. And you never know. Um, this year, because of things that have changed, it might happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we try and we'll put be, all uh, the nothing uh, else is on. <laughs> yeah, the plan things are out the window and people are recessing, so I'll be. Yeah, looking for different things to do. Well, excellent. It sounds like it's a piece of cake. Oh, it is, totally. <laughs> the, only, the only thing easier is a revenant. Yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, have you signed up or you're thinking about it? I have signed up, yeah. Yeah. I signed up on the day it opened and... Uh, oh, nice. And they replied with a very nice email saying welcome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know it's it's an awesome event, and uh, I think more people could actually um, look at it 
um, not being scared of the challenge, I think, and see it as a long-term project. Mm. Um, it was awesome this year that quite a few of the people came back from last year that didn't get to finish a lap, um, but they came back and they, um, uh, because of the better weather and and um, they were in a better shape or um, a better headspace that they managed to complete a lap or two laps. Um, and I think that's really what it needed to um, to get more people involved so that it wasn't this big scary thing. Right, it's cool to run, organise an event that's a big scary event, but you want some people to succeed and not necessarily finish. Um, it was good that there were some finishes this year, but even those people that finished one lap um, is either their first time or it's their second time of doing it and they're coming back for some redemption. Um, mm -hmm. It's cool that people see that that happens and and they should, yeah, see it as a stepping stone that come, you try it, you enter and do one lap, and then uh, you might do some more work and come back and, and do two or three laps. Yeah. I think it's a cool event for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's, I, I, I'm sort of, I've been doing a lot of ultras in the last few years and you know, I want to get away from events and have more adventures and I thought that would be a good kind of halfway point between an adventure and a, and a race. Yeah, yeah. And it is, I mean, even when you're out there on the course, um, yeah, it's, you're choosing where you're going to go. Um, you've got no set aid stations and that to handheld you as to when you should eat or drink and um, yeah it's just you against this awesome scenery and and a, and a course that's testing you yeah um, the new the new people should try and hook in you know with somebody that's done it before um, to settle into it yeah. um, the, the veterans um, because it is quite a unique Thing, the navigation especially if you haven't done it before and it's you know you might do some orienteering beforehand and and get some help in that but as soon as you're out in big country like that it's amazing how it can go wickedly <laughs> wickedly wrong yeah. um so having you know a little group of people going around for the first few checkpoints is an amazing head start for people yeah. and there was a lot more of that this year um happening which is really cool yeah. Oh, yeah I'll be I'll be definitely watching it um this year to see how it's going in that. You wouldn't be tempted to do it again. No, I don't think so. Unless it, I wouldn't go back for a couple of years and um and by then would expect that the checkpoints would all have moved around a bit more. But after doing I don't know, at, I've done uh, five and a half laps of the course now <laughs> over the two years. Right, and, yeah. um, and so it was fairly, uh, you didn't need to look at the map much in the last couple of laps this year. Yeah. yeah. So you're sort of going through the motions of um, more the more just the management of body and the physical side. Um, whereas we signed up for it to have the whole facet of navigation and, and physical. True. Yeah. Yeah. So now I find some different adventures. Yep. There's plenty more out there. Yep. Yes. The Barclay. Oh, you're thinking of it? Oh, yeah. I'd love to do that now. Yeah. Get experience with the New Zealand of yeah. the Revenant. Yeah. Oh, well, good luck there. Yeah. <laughs>
Uh, even next year will be uh, questionable, probably. So yeah, I think it will be for international travel. It will be, yep. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, because it's going to affect all our events as far as getting overseas participants as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty, um, yeah, it's a massive impact on the events thing, and it's mm. hard to plan anything. Yeah. Um, uh, in the next couple of months, let alone large events. <laughs> oh, heaps for um, turning up and letting me pick your brains. Now, all good. Um, and uh, like I said, um, if you have any other questions on revenants and stuff, then just yeah, get in touch. I'm keen as to help people. Excellent. Thank you very much. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Sean. Sweet. Okay. Cheers. See, See ya. ya.